you know, failure is never really as bad as we think it's going to be, is it? I mean, we've all failed at things before. And, you know, sometimes, yes, the failure can be tough. But what we imagine failure is going to be versus what failure actually is, usually very different things. And he's right. It's so easy to let our imaginations run wild with what our failure will look like or how it will affect us and those around us. We love to go to the worst possible scenario in our heads and this often keeps us from trying. I say this a lot, but this dark side of our imagination, this worry, it's simply a misuse of our imagination when this wonder can and should be used for so much more. We talk about this and so much more on this week's episode of The Story Podcast. While story invites us to ask powerful questions, your life and your story are shaped by the questions you ask. Where is your curiosity pointing? What is the story that you ache to tell? The only way to become a better storyteller is by telling more stories. To be a writer, we have to sit down and we have to do the work and we don't get up until it's finished. Your greatest work may not be seen by millions of people. Keep making anyway. Rise up, artists. Your canvas is the consciousness of this generation. The only hope we have are the stories we tell. Stories not bound by what is possible. We are proud to be storytellers. A few months ago now, Sammy Harvey and I sat down with my friend Jason Michaels. I am a motivational speaker and professional magician specializing in sleight of hand and illusion. I'm excited, Sammy. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is our first episode that there's two magicians in here. <laughs> and I have so many questions. I'm sure you do. We cannot tell you how we do our magic. <laughs> Dang so that's, it. That's all that, I wanted to know. <laughs> that's off the record. I want to get into this right away um, okay. before we get into your story, which is incredible and why I wanted to have you on the podcast. Um, but there's some people out there that are going magician <laughs> on a creative podcast. Like, and we were swapping stories before we started recording about how people, we both have experiences and stories of people kind of going like, oh, you're not really a serious creative. Right. Or you're not a artist. Sure. You're, you just do magic tricks. Right? Sure. Um, tell us how you feel about that. Well, um, I understand where they come from. I, I, I sort of get it because as you and I were both talking about a moment ago, sometimes magicians are a little bit lacking in like the meaning. And it's just like, look at this cool special effect that I can do. So I do understand sort of the public's perception of that occasionally. But, you know, I think the stories that people tell themselves when they hear the word magician um, are just, they're solely based on their own experience. So like, for mm -hmm. instance, if you're a 35 year old mom with a 12 year old and I were to introduce myself as a magician, the, the, the thing that you think immediately is, oh, can you come and do my kid's birthday party when that is not, I mean, as far as the magicians that I know, that's a really small number of people mm -hmm. that actually do that type of thing. But if you lived in Vegas and I said I was a magician, the first thing you might say is, oh, are you like David Copperfield or Chris Angel? You know, yeah. you know. so it, it just comes down to that personal perception. Sure. And I see magic as both art and craft. You know, there's the craft of it as, as far as the technique and the learning. And then in, in 
you know, learning the history of it as a performer so that you understand how to do what you're mm -hmm. going to do, whether you're using sleight of hand techniques or you're using illusion techniques, optical illusions, things like that. And that's the craft of it. But then the art side of it comes into on, on so many different levels. It can you know, come down to the script, the words that you choose to say. It can come down to um, actually creating magic, you know, you know, because there are some people out there that come up with fresh new ideas. Or, or there is the side of things where you take something old and turn it into something mm. new. So there's a lot going on in the magic community. And there's a whole lot of people in the magic community who really care deeply, deeply about what they do. And they're not just doing silly little tricks. Yeah, yeah sure. I want to hear more about creating magic. Have you created your own magic trick before? Uh, yeah, a little okay. bit, a little bit. I. What does that process look like? <laughs> that's a tough one. I think for me, the process there, you know, and there's a lot of different creators in the magic world, and the way that they're created is, is different for everybody. For me, most of the creation, I have to really educate myself mm. a lot. What does that look like? Um, you know, a lot of reading. Um, I read a lot of books. There's. You know, magic books have been written for the last, well, for a really long time, but really a lot of magic books have been written in the last hundred years and, and they've been written about the history. So you can read about the great masters from Europe in the 1800s and, and that type of thing. But, but you can't buy these in Barnes and Noble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where do you buy these? <laughs> There's a whole underground world, Sammy, that you don't know I've, about. <laughs> I've, okay. I've heard you talk a little bit about that and it's fascinating. So, yeah, it's pretty cool, <laughs> but, but yeah, well, <laughs> it is, it is, it is weird how like that, you know, you know, Harris is right. There is an entire world of, of people. And, and when I first started buying magic, I got a paper catalog in the mail Whoa. every couple of months. Yeah, and I would too. sit through that, sift through that catalog and read the descriptions and, and the description uh -huh. of each trick was amazing. Mm. You know, it was, this stuff is unbelievable. Of course, uh, and, and then you buy it and then you hmm. get it and you're like, at least a small part of me, every time I yeah. got the trick, a small part of me died because I really genuinely wanted it to be magic. I really did. And <laughs> mm. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I no, wanted to feel like I was getting some mysterious, mystical piece of the universe that nobody else <laughs> knew about. <laughs> totally. uh, and you just learn, oh, it's... Um, it's a rubber band and some <laughs> rubber cement. It's glue. It's tape. It's held together by duct tape. Exactly. What's interesting about Jason's job is that he's actually not a magician. Nobody is. He's an actor pretending to be a magician. It means there has to be story, character development, and believability. In addition to sleight of hand and, you know, stuff like that. It's a story. There's a certain tone that you want to create while you're telling a certain story, especially if you're a theatrical performer, mm -hmm. which includes lighting design and oh, music yeah. and scoring. Sure. So yeah, I think there's a lot of creativity. Involved. What's really interesting about your point is that it is limited because you are limited by what is possible. I mean, because you said, like you said, we, we can't actually do magic. So you are limited by certain rules of just I guess what physics. Yeah. <laughs> I can't actually do magic, so yeah. I'm I am bound within these these rules and these laws of the of the universe that we have to mm. do things a certain way. So that's both good, but it's also it's good because it gives you a framework to create within, you know, and sometimes that's really nice to be bound to a certain thing, but at the same time it's not just oh I can just create anything I want. 
because yeah. you can't, you know, yeah. if, you know, so there are certain limitations. And this is all really compelling, but I want to get to the real reason we're here rather than you and all I right. venting about <laughs> our desire to be respected as artists. <laughs> uh, but I want to, I want to go back to the beginning because there's something we haven't told everyone about you. Okay. Yet. Um, and you have a really compelling story. And sure. so let's start at the beginning and, okay. uh, with your childhood. Kind of let us know how you became involved in the creative arts. Sure. So, um, will uh, hit a couple of high points. So I, I think I'm around six or seven years old, and I, I have this memory of me sitting on the passenger seat next to my dad. We're driving to school, and I keep my I keep rubbing my chin against my collarbone, and I don't know why I'm doing it, and I'm frustrated about it because I can't stop doing it, and I'm just it just keeps happening over and over, and it's been I've been doing this for a couple of days now, and I and I'm, my neck is a little bit raw, and it's red, and it's irritated, and that's just that memory. And then, you know, this type of thing started happening and, and, and happened more and more. And uh, I remember going to see different doctors, psychologists and things like that. My parents taken me to see folks and not really getting satisfactory answers about what it was I was dealing with. People were saying, oh, maybe he's got OCD or maybe he's got some sort of uh, movement disorder or whatever, but not really having that uh, specific answer. When I was 13 years old, we went to see a pediatric neurologist and she had the answer and she said it's Tourette syndrome. And, um, you know, which is interesting because when you have that label and you have that that answer, then you can say, okay, here's the definition. Here's what it is. And, oh, that, oh, that's interesting. That definition fits everything that I've been doing. So, <laughs> um, you know, the, the definition for, and I think Tourette's syndrome is, is relatively well, pretty well known nowadays, but you know, I always like to define it just so that people understand that uh, folks with Tourette's uh, have what doctors refer to as tics. Uh, so you could call it twitches or vocalizations, but um, what the tics are, are there and this is, I think this is the hardest part for people to understand. They're uncontrollable. They literally come out of nowhere. You don't know they're going to come. You might, it might every now and then. The, the only thing way I can sort of relate it to is kind of like a sneeze. Like, you know, like a split second right mm -hmm. before you sneeze. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And then sometimes, sometimes it feels like that. Other times it just happens. So it's, it just comes out of nowhere. They're rapid. They happen quickly and they're repetitive. So they happen frequently and then they stop just pretty much as fast as they started. Um, there's multiple types of Tourette's, right? Like you're not going to be yelling any F-bombs or in the middle of the show <laughs> or on the podcast. There's, there's different types of, um, of the tics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like that's called coprolalia. I think I pronounced it right. I'm not sure. But that only hits about that swearing and saying really inappropriate things. <laughs> that only hits like 10, 10% of the folks who have it. And, okay. um, so we'll just let it be a surprise whether or not that happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, but yeah, no, there, there are a lot of different types of ticks, and they, um, you know, I have been on social media recently in some of the different, um, groups of people talking about their Tourette, their ticks, or their kids. And what's interesting about reading, uh, all of these different people's, um, experience is that, you know, there are, I mean, yeah, some of the ticks you don't even see. Like I was reading about this one uh, person who his tick was he he flexed and tensed all of his stomach muscles over and over and over and mm. over and over again. So it's like you don't even know what's happening, yeah. but his body yeah. is just getting worn out, and he's his body is highly stressed, and he's doing this thing over and over again. So yeah, I think that there are as many ticks as you can possibly imagine. So would you say Tourette's is something that as we're walking around in the world around us, there's people around us that are struggling with it and we just 
are completely unaware because sometimes we don't see it. I think there are a lot more people that have Tourette's than we realize. Um, I go out and I sometimes speak uh, and talk about it. And I'm surprised by how many people come up to me and either say, I have Tourette's or they'll ask me, they'll say, I, I do this thing and this other thing. And I've often wondered about it. Do you think that I might have Tourette's syndrome? Or they'll say, you know, my sister's child does this and we're pretty sure he has Tourette's. So I think there are a lot more people with these movement disorders uh, and, and maybe Tourette's uh, than we realize. Um, what's interesting about it is that I used to think that everybody was always paying attention to me when I was doing it. Um, but what I learned was everybody's so wrapped up in their own world, a lot of times they're not paying any attention to anybody else around them. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes, yeah, if somebody's having, if I'm really having a, you know, something big, you know, flailing my arm around or whatever, then sometimes, yeah, will that grab people's attention? Sure. But some of the smaller stuff like twitching your head and stuff like that, I think, you know, you're at the grocery store and nobody's paying any attention to you whatsoever. So I, yeah, I, I tend to, for years and even still, I try to kind of mask it in daily normal movement. So if I start twitching, I might just turn and start looking at something on the shelf or you know, I might, I might pretend like if I start doing something with my shoulder, I might start rubbing my arm, pretending like I've got, you know, a sore muscle or something like that. Cause I don't really want people to point it out to me. You know, most of the folks I've talked to with Tourette's, it's not something that they want to, uh, they, they don't like being alienated. They just kind of want to live life. So as, as I think anyone Absolutely. Yeah. What's really amazing about you is what happens to your Tourette's when you step out on stage. And so let's rewind okay. yet again and go back to the moment where you first got interested in magic. So, you know, 13, we find out what it is. And at 16 years old, two things happened, probably about a month or two apart from each other. Number one, I uh, have I've enrolled in speech and drama courses as a junior at my high school. And my teacher says, hey, we're going to have auditions for what they call the junior senior play. So I'm like, oh, this sounds cool. I'll, I'll audition. Never been on stage before. Now, what's really interesting about this is the idea that somebody with Tourette's, an uncontrollable, let's define it again, an uncontrollable movement disorder. Why would somebody want to step on stage? Because if you think about it, if you go out for a play, let's say you get a role, and let's say you're on stage and you're part of a team, you know, putting on a show. What happens if all of a sudden you just break out in some uncontrollable twitches or something like that? So for some strange reason, I didn't think that way. I just thought this sounds cool. Uh, so I went out for the play and lo and behold, you'll never believe it. I got the lead role. Never been on stage before. Wow. And all of a sudden I'm like, you know, I'm the guy. How and are you feeling at that moment? I'm, I'm like, totally excited. I couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe it. I'm shocked, but I'm totally yeah. excited because what was interesting about is during the auditions when I were, was uh, reading lines with other people, it just felt so natural. It just mm -hmm. felt like I was kind of in the place where I was supposed to be. It's just like, wow, this is, you know, stepping on that stage and looking out into the audience. They just, it just felt kind of like I was home. Uh, and what's crazy is uh, the first night of the, the first night of the show, first time I've been on stage in front of a real audience and I'm kind of thinking to myself, okay, what's going to happen here? Should I be nervous? I didn't know what to think. I'm kind of analyzing the whole thing in my head. So, you know, I just kind of calmed myself down and said, you've totally prepared as much as you've prepared. Just, just go do it. And the moment I stepped out on stage, no twitches, no ticks, no vocalizations, everything that would happen just in day-to-day -day life 
was suppressed. It was gone. So I was just, all of a sudden, I was just doing this play, and I'm locked in, and I'm totally focused. And it went great. Now, the moment I stepped off stage, that what happens is that focus you know, creates um, fatigue, and you get tired. Then the twitches and the ticks and stuff come back when that amount of focus mm. isn't present, which you can't keep that kind of focus. It's not, it's not possible. Um, so, th- so there was that. The second thing that happened is that I walked into a magic shop, and I had never seen any of this stuff before. I j- literally, I'm looking at all these glass cases full of these things, and I'm going, hmm. What, I wonder what that is. And, you know, I wonder what that thing is. And, uh, and the guy who owned the shop was really nice. And I would just go, you know, what, what is this stuff? And he would take something out for, off the shelf and he would show me. And I would be like, what? You know, that's unbelievable. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of, I saw things that day I'd never seen before. And I had two thoughts. Number one, why have I never seen this before? You know, how come more people aren't doing this? And number two, um, I have to share this with other people because mm. this feeling is so amazing. Uh, and so those two events, and for a very long time, I kept them separate. It was like there was my acting and then there was my magic. Uh, and magic was just a hobby and I was very serious about acting and I went to college and studied theater theater degree and all that stuff. And magic was a lot of fun, but uh, it wasn't anything more than just a fun hobby. At the time, the internet wasn't a place where you could just log on and find a community of magicians. That meant that Jason felt pretty alone in the stuff he was getting interested in, at least at first. I'm so curious what the reaction was among your family and friends who saw that first performance of you walking on stage and your tics going away. Were they just totally in awe? Because at that point, you hadn't been in a situation to showcase the fact that they could go away, I guess, right? You know, it's an interesting point. you know, my, I've been very fortunate, really, really fortunate. My parents, my family has always been very supportive of me. Um, they've never told me I couldn't do anything. They always mm. let me try things and, uh, you know, always were, you know, there to be my biggest cheerleaders. So now that's not to say that I'm sure there wasn't, I'm, I'm sure there was probably some, a, a little bit of like, oh my gosh, is this going to go well? <laughs> you know, that they probably had that question in their minds. And, you know, there's no question that some of my friends probably thought I was crazy, you know, because, you know, it just, it's just not the type of thing that really makes that much sense if you stop and think about it. You know, somebody with Tourette's wanting to be a, a live performer. But, but with that said, that's kind of been the story of my life is I tend to jump first. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and yeah, I just, I'm the type of person who says, wait, has somebody else in the world done this before? Well, if somebody else has done it before, I'm going to do it too. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of, I just don't, you know, dang the consequences. Let's see what happens. So, so you, now you've put all this into a book, your life story. So tell us about that. After I got out of college, some interesting opportunities opened up for me and I got to go work for a magician and I got to travel, start traveling the world. And um, little by little, I started my own business doing magic and, you know, competing in magic competitions. And basically, um, I had all these interesting adventures, stuff that, you know, somebody who's traveling and kind of living as a nomadic entertainer kind of has. And... Years later, when I started and when I finally opened up to the idea of speaking about Tourette's and mm-hmm. using magic and using entertainment to open the door so that my audiences were interested in what I had to say, 
years later, when I finally got to that point in my life, uh, I said, okay, I, I need to, I need to put it all down. So a, so that I can collect my own thoughts so that I, I, I have thought about this and I know, you know, the stories and, and it's not just a bunch of ideas, uh, but B, because I know that people, you know, out there in the world, there's a lot of stuff in the world. There's, uh, there's a lot of stories we tell ourselves and stories the world tells us. And I think that there's a lot of pain out there and people who feel like they're dealing with impossible situations or overwhelming odds. And what I wanted to share when I started speaking and what I wanted to share when I started working on the book is that we're all in this together. Other people have felt the pain that you may be feeling uh, and that together we can get through this. And sometimes we just need somebody to hop into our life at a specific moment and say, Hey, I'm just like you. Hmm. And Hey, I felt what you're feeling. And Hey, here's my example. Here's what I was able to do. I believe in you. You can do it too. Hmm. So that was kind of the, the idea behind the book is I wanted to share, you know, the frustration of dealing with this uncontrollable movement disorder and that I still deal with today. You know, it, it hasn't gone away. Um, but still being able to go out there and live the life of my dreams right. to do wow. what I wanted to do with my life and achieve some really cool things and have some wild adventures. What do you say to the cynics who sometimes, cause I experienced this a little bit of this too. I'm like, you know, if a magician says anything is possible, the natural tendency of most people is just to roll their eyes and be like, I get it. It's cute. You're a magician. Anything's possible. Yeah, sure. But like, sure. again, it goes back to where we started this whole conversation with like, it's not that literally anything is possible for us. Like, again, I can't really actually levitate or make someone else levitate. I have to create the illusion that anything is possible. So how do you, how do you push back against some of that cynicism with that metaphor? Well, I think that the, the visual that magicians can put out there, that, we, that, that it is possible to do what we think is impossible, I think that's powerful. I think it speaks to people. That may be one of the reasons why magic is still around after thousands and thousands of years. But... If you're just talking about doing what feels impossible in life, I think you have to answer a couple of questions. Number one, what are you willing to do to do what feels impossible? And then the next question is, what are you willing to not do? Because sometimes, okay, for instance, if I had said to myself, I'm not going to go out for this play because people might make fun of me hmm. if I get up there on that stage and then bring the whole thing to a screeching halt because I'm twitching and having these vocalizations and freaking out in front of a couple of hundred of my peers. And then they're going to make fun of me and my life's going to turn into a living hell. Then I never would have done that. And so I was willing to take that chance. I was willing to give up the possibility that I could have really, it could have really turned out differently, but I was, I was willing to take that chance and I was willing to do what it was necessary sometimes to live the dream life that I wanted to live. I've had to give up certain things that I just knew that I couldn't have for a really long time. Personally, I, I knew that when I started my business, I could either have my business or I could have a relationship, but I couldn't have both because I knew myself and I knew that I could give the attention to one or the other. But if I gave it, if I split the attention, both would fail. Hmm. So at the, especially at the beginning, I said, you have to focus in on the one thing that you really want the most right now. And knowing that you can have it all in time. But at, at the time, I was willing to give up the one thing to get the other. 
So I think that if you want to achieve the impossible, A, you have to put yourself out there. B, you have to be willing to go after it and be fearless in a sense. This, this, it's, it's, it's interesting. I want to tell you a, a quick story that I think relates to this. So there is uh, a really well-known magician in our business who just passed away. He was uh, just a brilliant thinker, philosopher. His name was Eugene Berger. And Eugene Berger was, he had written many brilliant, I mean, brilliant magic books on infusing meaning into what we do on stage and, and the thought process behind it. Well, I looked at him, even though I only had got to sit down with him a few times, I looked at him as a, as a teacher that I learned from, from afar. Well, there was a period of time where I was really, um, hesitant about what I was doing on stage and there was what I wanted to do. And there was what I thought the audience wanted. And there was a war within myself. It's like, okay, do I give the audience what they want? Or do I give the audience what I want to give them? Hmm. And so I, I sat down with Eugene uh, at a uh, convention where we were both, uh, where we both were one time. And I, and I said, I gave him that dilemma because I knew he would have something interesting to say. I said, how do you do that? How do you deal with that? How do you if you're at an event and you know the audience is really just expecting X, but you also know that if you give them Y, either you may fail terribly or it may be the greatest thing they've ever experienced. How do you, how do you give that? How do you choose that? How do you choose to, to, to do what you should do? And he just looked at me in his own way and he said, well, I guess you just have to be brave. Hmm. And I was like, Okay. And I said to myself, just sit on that answer. <laughs> Don't do anything else with it. And it was, it's an interesting thing. Sometimes in life, we just have to be brave. A joke. Reminds me of our theme this year for a story. You know, it's a carnival of curiosity. And the reason we're talking about curiosity is really because I wanted to have a conversation about fear. Okay. Uh, our original, like early on in the brainstorming days, we were talking about like monsters, myths, um, things sure. along those terms, because you know, monsters in storytelling tend to embody our fears. And, uh, yeah, real, what I eventually realized is that, you know, if you're scared of monsters, but that those monsters might be magical, the thing that helps you discover whether they're magical or not is curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're a kid and you think there's a monster in your bed or in the closet, when you're a little kid, <laughs> like fear is not paralyzing you yet. It's like you're scared, but like, oh, I've got to look, right? Yeah. Like I've got to go toy <laughs> with that know. thing. <laughs> And like I, I feel like that's an accurate picture of where we should be as artists, as adults. It's like, of course, we're scared. But mm-hmm. Like, what if, what if our childlike curiosity was greater than our fear? Mm-hmm. What if we danced with our fears a little bit? What might we be able to do? What, what might we be able to create? I think what you, the story you just told is a beautiful picture of that, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and I think your life is a beautiful picture of that because you're living with the curiosity of, am I scared to go on stage and be ridiculed by my peers? Am I scared to go on stage in case I might break out in some sort of crazy tick? Um, and then everyone might make fun of me and the whole play might fall apart or the show might not work. Yes, that fear exists, but your curiosity of the experience that could come to you mm. or what you might be able to achieve is greater than that fear. Right, yeah. So it's wow. not that the fear goes away, right? It's that right. the two coexist with each other. It's just one is greater. Absolutely. That, yeah. That's well, that's very well, very well summarized, very well stated. Yeah, I like that very much. So maybe it's just that you're living with uh, an intense amount of curiosity. And if that's, oh, yeah. if that's true, where do you think that curiosity comes from? How, how can other artists give birth to more curiosity in their life? 
And I've got a feeling, though you may not have used those words, that's kind of what your book is about, I think. Yeah, I to think, reimagine yeah. what could be right. Could oh, be possible. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I think you you have to you have to be willing to um, just say, okay, I don't know the outcome here, but you know, failure is never really as bad as we think it's going to be, is it? I mean, we've all failed at things before, and you know, sometimes yes, the failure can be tough, but what we imagine failure is going to be versus what failure actually is, usually very different things. Agreed. That's yeah. true. This is me just brainstorming out loud. Uh, but if you, uh, if a bird is sitting in a tree and without the curiosity of, hmm, I see those other birds flying around, I wonder if I can fly too. Or if there's a voice in that bird's life that has said, well, those birds can fly, but there's something different about you. You've got this thing and you probably can't do it, right? It's like that lack of curiosity. Is it possible that? that bird may never even attempt to fly and be unaware of what it's capable of. Do you feel like that has a lot to do with some of the things that you're talking about? Is that an accurate analogy? I think that um, I have this personal belief that if something really resonates with me, if I feel, if I get that in inner voice and I say, you know, I'm wondering about something or, or, some, or for, for whatever reason, I really am, am locked in on something. I see that as uh, sort of, and like I said, it's a personal belief, but it's like almost like a message from the divine that you should explore that because why, why else did it come in? Why else did it resonate with me? Why else when we walk through life that mo- and certain things jump out at me that may not jump out at anybody else? Why me? And so it's like that's a little message to say, hey, this is for you. See what you can do with it. It is interesting that so many of our stories, including yours, have this moment where, like, against all odds, the thing that we seem to be most drawn towards tends to be the thing that there's something inside of us that says, that's the one thing we can't do, right? Mm. Like, if you looked at someone with Tourette's... resistance. Yeah, you would think that someone with Tourette's, the last thing you would consider doing for a living is to be on stage in front of people. Sure. And yet, now that I'm hearing your story, I've discovered this, like... We experience this over and over and over again. When we talk to people, even on this podcast, we talk to people, it's like, gosh, you're like the, if I were you, you're the last person in the world that I would imagine being convinced that that's what they should go do. And people say that. They were like, I I don't know anything about, like, I I didn't think that I could, or I'm like, why me? But yet Mm. they're drawn to it and there's something about it that's like whispering, hey, like, come try this. (laughs) Um, That's really, really fascinating. It's interesting that you point that out and that, that totally resonates with me. Like it makes, I understand what you're saying. It makes sense. It really does. It's like, I don't, can't quite explain it. Can't quite understand it, but I get it. Jason has a book out now about his own story and what he's learned along the way. It took him a while to be convinced that his story was worth telling, but he says once he got the outline figured out, he realized that there was something substantial there. So he started putting in the work. As anyone who's written a book can tell you, writing can be a sort of drag sometimes, but if you do enough of it, you'll get a book out of it. Yeah, every single person I talked to is just, you know, there was the time I, I wasn't excited to sit down, but I just had to sit down. Yeah. So maybe it's just the simplicity of you have to choose that over something else. Another thing is uh, to tell some people, because when you tell some people, they'll ask you how it's going. <laughs> and then you have to either say it's going great or, well, it's, yeah. not, it's not going. <laughs> yeah, the problem is, Jason, I'm, 
I've been starting, I started this documentary that I've been making like four years ago. Yeah, and right. everyone's like, hey, are you still making that documentary? So here I am four years later, slightly embarrassed that it's still not finished. <laughs> so yes, I hear you, but that one yeah. got a little bit too close to home for uh, me. So. <laughs> I, I, you know what though? I it, Things do happen sometimes in their own time. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm partially kidding. Absolutely. Any final questions? Because I have one final question I want to ask you. Oh. But I want to end with it. Yeah. Another question I wanted to ask, what is like some of the most common feedback you get from audience after the show? So after like a show? Mm -hmm. Just yeah. like a performance or like yeah. if I am talking about Tourette's? Do you not talk about Tourette's in each show? So I have, um, no, not in each okay. show. I have one show, which is really just a theatrically based show. And it's, okay. it, I don't talk about Tourette's in it at all. It's really just a, a completely different story. Um, but when I do talk about Tourette's, um, people come up to me. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I spoke to a group recently and I had some some people come up to me. And, and, and I was just talking to several people at the same time. We were just kind of all gathered together. And, and the general consensus, somebody said this and then they all agreed. They said, wow, your tricks were great. They were so much fun. But what really got us was when you started telling us about your story. Mm. And and here's the thing about it. What I've learned, and, and this is true for me. I don't know if it's true for everybody, but I have a theory that this is true for most magicians. All right. As a magician, I get up on stage and then I do these amazing things, these impossible things, right? Well, what exactly does anybody in my audience have in common with me? nothing. They can't do this stuff. There's nothing I'm doing on stage that they have any reference to. Mm -hmm. So I am Superman. And as much as people like the idea of Superman, they don't have anything in common with Superman. And they don't really like him. Not really. They like, they like Clark Kent, the guy who's, who's just like them, the yeah. guy who's normal. And so when I start talking and become a real person and tell them about I'm not this infallible Superman who can do all these amazing things. I'm really just a guy who um, wanted to live a certain dream. And I have just as many problems as you do. And some of my problems, you know, can cause pain as far as people saying things that are hurtful or, um, you know, making fun of me or, or whatever. Then they go, okay, this, this guy is just like me. He just happens mm. to know some cool things. And so, when people say your tricks were cool, but your message is what got us, that's probably about the best thing they can mm. say to me. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's through our authenticity that we're able to connect and resonate with people. Absolutely. And the irony of that is it's not typically what we choose. The path that we typically choose to try to connect with people is to kind of control their perception somehow to paint sure. this like, perfect picture of how we want them to see us. And um, yeah, I mean, we see it on social media, some of the... Some of the most respected people for me that I follow on social media that have large followings are the people that don't utilize social media to paint the perfect little picture of mm -hmm. an incredible, perfect life, right? It's that they're raw and honest and people yeah. go, oh, they are normal. I can connect with that. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Well, there was a time as an illusionist or a magician, whatever people want to refer to us as, there was a time when I was somewhat cynical as a creative person mm -hmm. and uh, I was like, well, magic... Magic isn't real, obviously. <laughs> magic, sure. And the irony is that that's what people refer to the stuff that we do on stage as is magic. They mm -hmm. call it magic, even though it's not. It looks like magic, but it's just a trick. Um, and I could tell countless stories of how I've come to believe that magic is real. It's not 
cutting somebody in half and putting them back together again. That is just an illusion, but there is magic in the world around us. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to just in closing hear from you, what in your mind is truly magical? What is real magic to you? I think real magic is when we put aside all the, the narratives that are out there playing and we are willing to put aside our own hubris or we're, we're, we're so cool and we're, this is who I am to the world. And we just make that connection with each other. I didn't want for a really long time. I did want to be that cool guy on stage and I didn't want to talk about anything personal. And I just wanted to be able to, I wanted people to be this guy. Wow. I want to be like him. And the last thing in the world I wanted to do was to get real and get personal. And now since I started doing it and since I started just dropping all the pretense and like getting completely wide open and vulnerable on stage. Now that's all I want to do is Mm. just be completely wide open and vulnerable. And so I think the real magic happens when we are able to uh, show our weakness, which is not really popular and, and say, Hey, well, I'm just like you. We may have some different ideas about certain things, but ultimately we're all in this together. We got to support each other and we got to help each other get through it because uh, I think that's what a lot of it is all about. So, so good. Beautiful. Yeah. I've been thrilled to, uh, to get to talk about this and get to share this. And, you know, I just, I just hope that folks who heard this, they don't, I, I hope that they take it with the, the intent that it was shared that hopefully somebody will find something valuable mm. and take whatever it is and just, you know, allow it to inspire yourself to go out and to do your best work and be your best person. Real magic happens when you're able to show your weakness. Man, I have to admit, this is hard for me to do, but I really love this idea. But Jason is right. We're all in this together as artists and storytellers. I hope this conversation has inspired you to go out and create some magic of your own, no matter what medium you used to create. And if you want to experience some magic, I promise that Story 2018 is going to be filled with it. We just launched our brand new website last week at story2018.com, where you can check out this year's theme and other details. Ticket prices go up on June 1st, so do not delay on securing your ticket. Register now. Thanks again for listening to the Story Podcast. As always, your ratings and reviews mean so much to us. Keep them coming, and if you enjoy what you hear, share it with your friends. Until next time, I am Harris III. Thank you for listening.